Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. You are listening to the Satellite Sisters. It is 11, 12, 13. <laughs> Don't you just love that, Leanne? I do love it. Are you getting married today, Julie? Are you having a baby? Because that seems to me two things people are doing on this uh, numeric wonder day. Well, I think it's lucky for everyone. That's the way I feel. It's going to be an auspicious day for everyone. Excellent. We are the Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. My sister Julie is in Dallas, Texas. We have a full show today. Uh, Julie has a couple of stories on the parenting front we're going to talk about. Information hodgepodge is back. Some stuff to learn. Some picks and pans. And uh, and then we're going to remind you to vote for the Satellite Sisters at the Podcast Awards. Or just feel free to go ahead and do that now while you're listening to the show. Um, but, but first, Julie, finally, the pictures are coming in from the Philippines. The devastation is overwhelming. It's amazing, Leanne. And, you know, I think it's because it's in, uh, you know, the, the worst of that typhoon hit a, a fairly remote but highly populated area. I mean, I think we're going to continue to see that devastation for a while. I wanted to ask you, though, because I know there's a large Filipino community in Los Angeles. What are, you know, what are people saying um, in Los Angeles about the typhoon? You know, the message here seems to be, um, well, they're terrified still getting in touch with relatives, according to the news and a couple of my friends with relatives in, in the Philippines. But the message here is definitely like, don't send old sneakers, send money. Yes. So that's, uh, you know, I think that's the, the fundraising efforts have already started. And what it seems to be is like get, send cash. So either through the Red Cross or uh, through Filipino churches or uh, I was going to donate to UNICEF, I guess. They're also doing a push. So I usually donate to them at Christmas time anyway. So I thought I'd just double my, my donation to UNICEF. I mean, it was, I mean, when the, when you think about the winds in that storm, you know, over 195 miles per hour and just, I mean, that they, and that the structures and many of the villages and areas were, are just not as well built as anything we see in America. I mean, you just know that they are, you know, that it's going to be a long time before we find out exactly how many people were died, the injured, and just getting medical care and water and food to I, that area is so critical. It, so, it looks yeah. so bad. I know you knew it was bad when it was literally taking days and days for the news pictures to come out. I was searching around this weekend to try to find some information, and they, you know, only sketchy reports. So it was really just yesterday and today that we're starting to see actual pictures of the devastation. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable, Jewel. So, yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm going to donate to UNICEF, but I think that's that's the message. So, good. Yeah. No, and I think that's good, Leon. Uh, you know, it's a nice pro- a reminder to think it is the holiday season. Go ahead and make that donation. I think that's good, Leon. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, Julie, I want to fill you in um, on my on my admissions interviews at my alma mater this weekend. Yes, Leanne, I know. This is your your foray into alumni interviewing. How did it go? Well, we talked about this last week. I signed up to do uh, 
prospective freshman interviews at Pomona College. I went to a small liberal arts college in Claremont, California, um, and I I thought this would be a good way for me to give back because I'm tired of asking for money or planning events. So I thought I would I would do this, and I was curious to see you know who walks through the door of Pomona these days. They um, they only take in 13 percent of their applicants, so it's, it must be a pretty impressive pool, is what I was thinking. They they only have they have spots for less than 400 in the freshman class, and they get 7,000 applicants. So first of all, Julie, I told you I hadn't get, received really any advanced training or any sort of list of questions in the mail, but I, I was okay. promised I was promised a um, continental breakfast. <laughs> So you know I got there for that. And I have to say I was disappointed in the coffee. Is that is that fair to say? Yes, so. I you can, I'm sure they had some feedback form uh, the admissions <laughs> office. Uh, I, I hope you put your comments about the coffee on there, Liam, because I'm sure they'll take that to heart. Yeah. Usually I was like my eyes were a little crazy when I was like, where is the coffee? And all these young faces looked up at me because also interviewing. It was a very, very busy day at admissions. So they were doing dozens of interviews and um, they have a lot of current students that also do interviews. And I have to say the current students look great. They were in shirts and ties or dresses, but they did not have creamer and they didn't care about my coffee situation. Okay. Just a cranky old alum. That's that's exactly, that's exactly what I was. But you know what, Julie, there was not a lot of formal training. I had to seek out my own training and here's what's that. I mean, so they unleashed you on unsuspecting students without providing you with the proper training. I would uh, kind of say that. But fortunately for the interviewees, my interviewees, I am a trained interviewer, just not an admissions interviewer. So I like to do my prep work, my pre-production. So I got there in plenty of time. And when it was clear, like, wow, it's really busy and I don't think anyone's going to formally train me. I, I sought out my own training. I asked. There were several fellow alums. I asked them how they worked it. There was a whole coding system, uh, a scale of one to five on um, on concepts like intellectual curiosity, academic rigor, uh, commitment to extracurriculars. Let that be a lesson to you parents. It's not the number of extracurriculars. It's the commitment your kids have to them. Um, so, and, but I had to really seek this out in the 15 minutes I had before my first interview. But I felt fairly well prepped afterwards, I have to say. Okay, so. just as a former admissions officer, that's it's terrifying to me that they were, I mean, it'd be one thing if they just had you interview the students and you could write some general comments, but obviously they'd worked up some kind of grid system there where you're supposed to be awarding points and categories to these students so they're obviously taking your comments to heart and yet they didn't give you any information about how to calibrate your comments relative to other students well i sought it out i you know they told me on a scale of one to five a three is a typical student so that they almost never give fives and a four would have to be like someone that really like you know just you know sucked up all the air in the room in a good way so uh okay so I had, I had some, I had some not knowledge of what I was doing. So um, I, I ended up being assigned three young women, uh, all of whom happened to be from Southern California, but they had lots of kids in. In fact, they had flown a whole bunch of kids in uh, last weekend from all over the country to be interviewed. Um, and then uh, all three of the women, a young women I interviewed, had parents that were born outside the United States. Uh, okay. And I would have taken all three women. <laughs> that's, 
important. I think if you're going to err on one side or the other, it's probably better to err on the side of being positive toward the student rather than right. negative, you know? I mean, I was like astonished because, you know, I've been looking at college admissions for the last year with my son. And then I did the College Bound Chronicles podcast where I looked at it sort of a meta level. And I've read a lot of stuff about college admissions. And one of the critiques I keep hearing, criticisms really, is that these kids at these elite colleges are programmed and they're working with college counselors and they don't have any personality and the interviews are, you know, really canned and wrote. I, I cannot tell you how different these three young women were. They were different from each other, but they were themselves. They were not canned at all. No one had coached them. They were just like charming, well-spoken, intellectually engaged young women. I, so, I mean, I think that's good news. I think that is good news. I think that's very good news. Did they ask you any questions you could handle? Later? Yeah. Did they? Well, one one asked, like, does your major um, matter on the application? And you know what I said, Julie? Your voice echoed in my head. I said, I cannot answer that. I'm an alum, but um, you can ask the admissions officer when you leave. Good, I didn't. Good. I, I didn't want to give a lot of misinformation. <laughs> good. Good. <laughs> I was tempted, but you know these young women. All three of them played sports and were interested in playing sports at college. Pomona's a D- Division three school, so they're real student athletes there. Uh, two were interested in biology. That's one of Pomona's best uh, departments, uh, a lot of pre-med uh, for, you know, it's an undergraduate, it's a liberal arts school, but bio is one of their best departments. Um, the young women all had um, real commitment to community service as opposed to the fake commitment I see in my son's. yeah Yeah, the you have to do these hours by next friday or you don't graduate kind of commitment no these young women had like just embraced community service it was clearly part of their family mantras you know one young woman had a grandmother who had been a community organizer and activist in a really bad area in town for 40 years and you know so she worked with her grandmother every weekend doing everything from after school programs to you know prisoner rehabilitation i was like are you kidding me <laughs> another young woman had started a program her junior year well by her junior year julie she had taken all of the advanced science classes in her school there were no more science classes for her to take (laughs) so there you have it leanne i'm sure you had a lot in common you had a lot to talk about a lot in common yes that's yes (laughs) and uh and she had started a, a program where they went into um elementary school she and a couple friends went into elementary schools and did kind of science magic shows for kids doing hands on experiments so and she lit up when she talked about that and another young woman was um started doing best buddies when she was a freshman in high school that's the organization that pairs a student in general ed with the student in special ed and they go through four years of high school together she was clearly so involved in that in just such a positive way i have to say these three young women were fantastic candidates so well that's good leanne and i and i hope based on your strong recommendation that they (laughs) 
they are accepted at the college of the, of their dreams. They yeah, have, you know that's what I thought. I thought even if they don't get in here, and I, you know, it was hard to tell. You you really weren't supposed to ask. Is this your first choice? There was only one young woman I really thought. Well, this is her first choice. Uh, so um, I wrote that down in my evaluation. I thought that was important. Um, but um, the you know these these young women were going to be fine no matter. <laughs> No matter where they ended up. I mean, and uh, the the most fun question I asked was, who was your personal hero? Oh, okay. And, um, I, and they had me ask about, they did tell me ask about a particular school project that they were interested, either in the classroom or on the side. You know, it was kind of the what gets them excited that you had suggested. I did ask that question. But I like the personal hero answers. And the first young woman, I said, your personal hero outside of your family. And then she goes, oh, I was going to say my grandmother. And I said, well, who's your grandmother? And then she explained that her grandmother was like this, like award-winning community activist. I was like, okay, she counts. All right, that's fine. I'll write that down. And uh, the other- be flexible with your interviewing (laughs) skills. Oh, wow. She's my personal hero now too. Okay, great. And then one young woman said, um, Li Na, the Chinese tennis player. Uh, And then the other young woman said, um, Amy Poehler. So I- (laughs) I love oh, yeah, that I answer. She was sucking up to you. Like, no, I, there wasn't any of that. Like, I didn't say anything about me. I just said I graduated in 87. I was a classics major. I, I'm a writer and producer. I was super vague. I didn't, I barely talked about my college experience, Julie. You would have been proud of me. So Good, good. Um, well, let me ask you this, Leanne, because I noticed today that it's the number one story um, at the New York Times website. Did you ask um, these fine women about their um, their digital uh, profile, what, whether or not they tweet and tweet about um, about Pomona? Because I now see that admissions. This is just an article that was in the New York Times that admissions offices are also following, in some cases, uh, whether applicant whether applicants are tweeting uh, positive or negative things about um, the school. Liz, summer is coming up, and you know what that means? It means you're grilling. You're grilling and chilling there with your your butcher box. What what do you got going on the grill this summer? Well, you know, here's the thing. Because I'm going to be up in in Bend for a part of the summer, I'm having my box sent there, Leanne. That's great. Go on vacation with your butcher box is what what I'm recommending. Yeah, (laughs) either way, you're just going to buy meat and fish and stuff when you get there. Why do that? Anyway, I love their steaks. I love their scallops. The scallops are really good. And the chicken thighs, all good. I'm ready. That's right. ButcherBox gives you peace of mind and easy-to-find high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. It's 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork that's raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood, no antibiotics or added hormones. And as Liz said, delivered right to your doorstep. And you can customize that delivery plan, Liz. Right. Because it can go wherever you want it to go, whenever you want it to go. If you want to delay it a week, you know, speed it up a week, you just go to your ButcherBox account and you can make that all happen. It's so easy to manage online. Yeah. And if you're like Liz, you can take your ButcherBox on vacation, which is (laughs) (laughs) nice. That's nice. (laughs) Nice to have something familiar there. (laughs) Yes. So if you want to take your meat on vacation, sign up at ButcherBox.com slash sisters and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional 20% off. So you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips 
free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com sisters and use code sisters to choose your free for a year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we, we love Osea's skin and body care. And you know what? This Mother's Day, just look no further than Osea. Spoil the moms in your life with the little luxuries from Osea. The moms, the stepmoms, the bonus moms, the people who bring a touch of something special to your life aunts, grandmothers, they would love a little Osea this Mother's Day. And you can get 10% off your first order by using our code SATSisters at OseaMalibu.com. And Liz, you know what every mother and mother figure needs? What? More moisture, Liz. They need more moisture in their skin. <laughs> in no their kidding. Skin. I mean, really, the creams, the lotions, the oils, I love it all. That duo they have going, oh. like, you can't miss with the duo of Osea. Liz, the mega moisture duo, yes. you can you can literally see your skin get firmer and it just delivers this full body glow. Okay. You know, we have raved about the Andaria algae body oil. Mm -hmm. Well, pair that with the Andaria collagen body oil. Youthful, yeah. Liz, a youthful yeah. glow is going to happen. <laughs> and it's infused with Osea's signature Andaria seaweed. So it just smells so delicious, doesn't it? I know you're talking about giving it as a gift. I also suggest just giving it to yourself <laughs> because you're worth it. <laughs> that's, that's true. That is absolutely true. Okay, that moisture duo I mentioned too is a great value because you can save 16% plus the extra 10% with our code Sad Sisters. So this is it. This is a win-win-win Mother's Day gift. Spoil the moms in your life with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code SATSisters at oseamalibu.com. And you get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Osea is spelled O-S-E-A. So head on over to oseamalibu.com and use code SATSisters for 10% off. Thanks, Osea. You know, I did ask one young woman, um, well, one of the standard things you have to do now, Julie, apparently to get into college is be able to write code and build a website because all three of these young women could write code and build websites. So... <laughs> Okay. So, okay. okay. Get on that. Um, so one, so, and like, just like, oh, in addition to, you know, saving the world, I, I'm just writing code. And so one young woman let it slip, sort of let it slip. She goes, cause I said, well, what do you do for fun? Like she had this crazy six AP schedule on two teams, highly invested in her extracurriculars. I said, do you have any time for fun? And she said, well, have you heard of Instagram? And I, I was like, how old do you think I am? <laughs> she laughed. And I said, I've heard of Instagram. And she said, well, I have 17,000 followers on Instagram. And I do a fashion Instagram account. But smartly, she would not tell me what it was because she didn't want me to check it out. She goes, I think I'll just keep the identity private. Wow. I was like, holy cow. So these kids, a lot of them do, they have real digital footprints, not just sort of snarky tweets. So, you know, 
I saw that article, too, in the Times, and some schools said, yes, we do take a look. Other schools said we don't. Other schools said we take a look, but we don't judge. So there's no set policy on how admissions offices uh, use the digital information. But it does seem like a bad policy to tweet bad things about the college tour you're currently on if you're trying to get into that school. That happened to one young woman in the article, uh, not the, not anyone I was talking to. But, yeah, these kids have real foot prints you know well it's just one more thing for a parent to worry about it seems to me that's what i saw like you have to nag them to take the tests and to fill out all the applications but you have to also monitor their digital profile as yeah well. you oh, do brother. Oh, brother. it's a cutting edge it's a it's a double-edged sword because on the one hand you're impressed like wow you have seven 17,000 Instagram followers. But if it's a, if it's an account about something you're not into, or, you know, you don't really approve of, or it's kind of, you know, snarky or on the dark side, uh, that may count against them. But I have to say, I was very impressed with all three of these young women. And, um, and I said to the admissions officer, I don't know how you do it. Uh, because and she said, she goes, 80% of our applicants can do the work here. So that's not, it's not a question of, can they do the work at Pomona? So it really, I don't know if that's good news or bad news for parents, but, <laughs> but here's one, here's one takeaway. Here's one takeaway for parents. Um, I think the most impressive thing about all three of these young women was that they could look an adult in the eye and have a conversation with an adult in a convincing manner. And it almost at the end of the interview didn't matter what they told me about themselves. It was the manner in which they told it. Okay. That's good. Cause it speaks to their self-confidence and their, you know, that's, and their uh, maturity and again, uh, and their ability to handle uh, challenging situations. Right. And all three of these young women, I think it was because they had been in leadership roles in their school or their extracurricular activities where they did a lot of interacting with grownups. You know, the one woman, young woman who started the, um, you know, the science, uh, the science magic shows, she said, well, we have a faculty advisor and then we had to put together a board. And so our superintendent of schools is on the board and our principals on the board. And uh, the other young woman, she was on the international board of, um, of best buddies. No, I'm telling you the, <laughs> again, I, I just, I, I, all I could think of was me with the whip beating my sons to do the 40 hours of community <laughs> service. It's like that's some kids are actually deeply committed to service and other kids aren't. That's been my thing. But I think it was a lot of adult interaction. And you can get that. You can get that with coaches. You can get that with leadership roles, you know, within the school and things like that. It doesn't have to be these giant community service projects. It just happened to be for these three girls. So anyway, I wish them all luck. I go back in December and do a couple and do three more. So now I'm ready. Totally ready now. Yeah, I know. You're going to be dangerous in that next. Yeah. (laughs) Now I'm going to be, yeah, much harsher. No, I won't. I won't. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Well, Leanne, speaking of extracurricular activities, I wanted to get your take on an editorial that appeared in the Dallas Morning News here. And that was about the town of Keller, Texas. It's It's a suburb of Dallas. And they have decided for all of their youth programs that they are going to do away 
with a participation trophy for sports. You know, you know how it is. Now, you're, you have two sons that are, are athletes. I am sure you have giant plastic tubs full of participation trophies from all the sports teams that they've been on, right? Yes. And so, well, Keller has now decided that, hey, these kids really don't need it. You know, it was, you know, originally it was supposed to boost their self-esteem, but it's sort of a waste of time and money. And it's not really sending a good message to the kids that you get a big trophy for, you know, doing nothing. So, so they're doing away with it. And I, I wanted to get your take on it because I have totally changed my mind about this. <laughs> You know, here's what I would say. Uh, first of all, it won't really go away because uh, on every single team, some parent's going to step up and buy the trophies. So maybe the district or the organization is getting away with it. But mark my word, individual teams are going to get their trophies So, because that's what parents do. But I actually have to say I'm fine with those participation trophies. I think they should be small, a gesture. But one of the things I really have appreciated over the years is that little ceremony when the coach gives the child the trophy and the coach, he or she has a chance to say something about the kid that's very meaningful. And you don't know if that's going to be that child's last time participating in a team sport, or you don't know where they came from. Do some of them stand out there and pick the daisies and do nothing? Yeah. But most of them don't, you know, most of the teams we've been on, the kids have really tried. And so it's not so much the trophy as the moment where the coach gets to acknowledge their participation. There's the exchange of the trophy. I think that's really what it stands for. And that I think has proven very meaningful. Having watched my husband done a dozen of those presentations and been on the opposite side when my sons have gotten their trophy or their medal and hearing what the coach has to say about them, I think that's meaningful to the kids. So I, I, I think they should not do that. I think a little trophy and acknowledgement at the end of the season, I'm okay with that. Okay. Good point, Leon. I mean, because I had kind of felt like as my, my two sons, we're sort of at the beginning of this um, this fa- phase where they gave out trophies, and and we had tubs full of trophies. And I, I after a while, it's like, oh brother. But now I can see with my granddaughter Alice, and she's on her school soccer team. And here's the thing about Alice: she um, she just she she just really does not care about that soccer ball, <laughs> not, not one bit. She doesn't care which way it's going. She, you know, it, it really, she, she cares about her friends on the team. She cares about the uniform. She cares about the snack at the end of the, of the practice or the game. And, but she really and truly cares about her soccer trophy. Yeah. He's received a couple, only a couple, but she loves this soccer trophy. She loves her soccer trophy so much that when she comes to spend the night at my house, she packs her soccer trophies with her and she brings them over. So, I mean, there, here's a girl that is she going to be a big, um, is she going to be the next Mia Hamm? I, I kind of doubt it. You know, I mean, this is, but I think it's great that, and I know her parents uh, feel this way, that it's great for her to do a team sports. Uh, you know, it's really important, particularly important for girls to do team sports and to, you know, per, you know, participation, sportsmanship, all of these things. That is going on. But if there was no trophy, I'm, I, I'm sure she would like soccer a whole lot less, you know, because, 
because the game is really has, and maybe she'll start to like the game later on. Maybe she'll find some kind of connection with the ball um, at some later point in her life. But right now it has nothing to do with the ball and it has everything to do with the trophy. And so I'm, I'm in favor of trophies at this point. Yeah. I, I think they should be small and a token. I kind of I, like the metal. That's a nice little touch that yeah, that's yeah. also good. You don't need a big trophy, but I think there's a moment and, uh, and, for most kids, their participation in group team sports is very short-lived. So, um, you know, other kids will go on for years and years, but a lot of kids, it's uh, it's short-lived. So a little trophy. It's not the end of the world. But okay. mark my words, those kids are going to get their trophy. <laughs> those team mothers are going to collect money for trophies, and okay. those trophies there's, are going to happen. There's going to be a secret trophy ceremony. <laughs> yes. For okay, I will I will monitor that situation, Leanne, because it was a big story here. Sports obviously is a big deal in Dallas, so we'll we'll get on that. The there was another story kind of related to this about about kids that uh, was in the paper this week. I don't know if you've seen this commercial, if it's airing in your area, but it's a Toys R Us commercial, and it's a group of kids. They're on a field trip. They're on a bus, they're going on a field trip, and they're going to go look at trees. And they have this very glum teacher, and all the kids are, like, bored out of their minds. They're, you know, learning about leaves and, you know, trees, and it's all dull. And then, whoa, lo and behold, in the middle of the commercial, the bus veers or changes directions, and the kids end up at Toys R Us. And they're ecstatic and they're running up and down the aisles and they're playing with all the toys and it's happily ever after. Well, this I have uh, seen. I have seen that ad. ad? The head of the Perot uh, Science and Nature Museum here in Dallas wrote an editorial in the paper about this commercial uh, saying that, you know, hey, wait a minute. What is the message that we are sending here that, you know, that nature is bad and boring and to be inside playing with plastic toys, this is the way to go. I mean, she was she was making the point that she understands that Toys R Us, they have to sell toys, you know, and but does it have to be at the expense of nature, you know? Uh, and do you realize that this generation of children that is now coming up, they spend less time outside than any previous generation of kids growing up ever, you know? I mean, and that... That has profound consequences, it, does, it, it seems does. to me. If you if you do not spend time outside, you know, playing playing in the dirt, playing in the grass, you know, running around with the leaves, you know, doing all of that, if that is not part of your life, you know, it's um, it, it you know, I think there are going to be serious consequences for a generation that's raised you know, on iPads and, you know, in front of computers. I do too. From physical fitness to, you know, conservation in the future. You know? Yeah. I mean, if if you've never really been to the mountains, you don't care about, I don't know, national parks, for instance. So, you know, putting money towards national parks. So, yeah. No, it's called Nature Deprivation. And a couple of books have come out in the last decade uh, that have really been powerful talking about um, just how dangerous it is for kids. And Julie, First of all, I will just say it. I I think Toys R Us 
of all the retail experiences in America, Toys R Us is kind of the most soul sucking. I hated going to <laughs> Toys R Us. And I, and I say that like sort of jokingly, but not jokingly. So when I saw that ad, I got depressed. Like Toys R Us depresses me. And I saw that ad and I had the same thought uh, that, that the museum director had. Like, this is a terrible message, especially to go into like one of the most, you know, depressing, demoralizing retail experiences in America. I feel like for Toys R Us, I, if people work there, I'm sorry, but I just think it's, it's huge. It's big. It's bad customer service. It's just so much stuff. It's so much stuff. So I, I couldn't agree more with that editorial. Yeah. That, I mean, that, and she goes on to say, and I and I and I know this is true that I, you know, having a connection with nature has a profoundly positive impact on on your psychological makeup. It promotes, you know, in many cases, superior cognitive functioning, and it leads to fewer physical ailments and speedy recovery from illness. So that you know, this is what kids should be doing. In fact, the British Health Service just came out where they have a recommendation, and it's kind of a funny British recommendation. They believe that children should be out in the wild for 30 minutes every day, which um, <laughs> which sounds scary to me. Yeah. I'm not sure you want your kids out in the wild, uh, but, but the idea that kids need to be outside um, and that now, I guess, you know, we always took it for granted. Um, but now, you know, it's it's something that you got to be very deliberate about. Uh, otherwise, it, it probably wouldn't happen. And there are a lot of reasons, a lot of good reasons why kids spend less time outside, you know, safety, um, they have more work to do, whatever. But, uh, you know, getting them outside is very important. So. Okay, it's called nature deficit disorder. I just looked it up. So oh. it isn't nature deprivation, but there was a really good book by Richard Louvre a couple of years ago that sort of outlined this. And the headmaster at my kid's school recommended it to all the parents, and I picked it up and read it, and it was fantastic. So, yeah, it's called nature deficit disorder. It's a real thing. So oh. I'm with you. All right. All right, Leanne. We agree on two things. Okay. <laughs> more trophies, more nature. Okay. What else you got, Leanne? I got information hodgepodge. I feel like I should get a theme song for information hodgepodge <laughs> and figure out how to play it. Um, so uh, I'll work on that for next next week. But this week on our information hodgepodge, these are just small bits of information you might want to carry with you throughout your day. Not big enough for a real segment, but all together, they work pretty well. So we have fashion, we have fitness, and we have historical trivia today on Information HodgePodge, Julie. All right. This is from Yahoo Shine. You know, that's their women's site over there at Yahoo. Um, And these are 10 fashion trends that just don't work. Okay. So... um, (laughs) So get your get your pens out, people. Um, <clears throat> flared jeans. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The, the promise is that you're going to look skinny because of the silhouette, but the people at Shine say you don't look skinny, girl, in those flared jeans. Okay, so bootcut jeans are fine. Flared jeans, no good. Think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, trend number two that doesn't work: mid calf boots. I t- could oh, yeah. not agree with these more. So these, oh, yeah. the, I mean, they're fine under pants. They make a lot of sense. Like, oh, I don't want to wear a full boot. I'm traveling, that kind of stuff. But when I see people with them on with dresses and skirts, it's no good. And you know why? Because it makes you look short and stocky, which I don't think there's a woman alive that would like to choose to look short and stocky. 
<laughs> right. I mean, most women's mid-calf is not their, is not their strong suit. Exactly, you Julie. You don't hear a lot of women saying, my favorite feature of my body is my mid-calf. You don't hear that, Leanne. Liz, you know we love talking about frame bridge, don't we? We do. <laughs> because, because there are just so many fun things to frame, Leanne, aren't there? Right. Anything. You can just upload a digital photo from your phone and they can print it and frame it. And that is a gift right there, a gift people would love getting. But Liz, you recently had quite an exciting Framebridge experience. Would I, I you did. like to share? Would you like I know, to? I talked about how when we were at the Bruce Springsteen concert, I was with our brother Dick, his wife Susan, his two kids, and one of the roadies threw us the set list at the end of the show, which was amazing to get the actual set list for the actual concert in Los Angeles. And we're like, oh, yeah, any day now, that's going to be in a place of honor in their home. Sure enough, Leon, they have already framebridged it and sent it to us with a picture. So I'll be in Bend next week, so I'll get to see it. But it's just excellent use of the framebridge resources, the Bruce Springsteen set list. Fantastic. And this is gift giving season. So if you have a graduation coming up, a wedding, a shower, Mother's Day, Father's Day, look around. I'm sure you have something fun you can frame and Framebridge can do it for you. It's easy and it's affordable to frame just about anything. You get fair and transparent upfront pricing based on the size of your item. There's a great selection of frames. And as we've said in the past, fast service, free shipping, great for gifts. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Liz, not many things in life give you a happiness guarantee, but Framebridge does. If you're not 100% happy with your piece, they will make it right. So if this but sounds like- you are like... going to be happy, okay? <laughs> and that's just the Satellite Sisters promise. You're going to be out. You're going to be happy you did it. See why Framebridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or see a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's framebridge.com. Thanks, Framebridge. Hey, it's Liz and Leanne here, and we want to thank Pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about with my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical. Mm -hmm. The book is getting rave reviews. I'm very happy. But you know what else is getting rave reviews? My hair, Liz, my hair from Pros is getting rave reviews. Leanne, I am not surprised. You have been on that Pros hair regimen for quite a while. I mean, you have good hair anyway, but now you have great hair because you've really paid attention to it. Well, Liz, pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And you know what? I love the regimen they have me on. I, do I take the hair vitamins every day? Yes, I do. Do I use my shampoo and conditioner made especially for Lee and Dolan? Yes, I do. Do I sometimes use the leave-in conditioner when it's, my hair's really dry? I do. And I even have a pre-scalp thing that they give me. Okay, pros, you, you're the boss. I'll take it. <laughs> you tell me what my hair needs. That sounds good. And here's the thing. It's personalization, Liz. For yeah. millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely Leans. Okay? And I'm I'm using it. Pros mm -hmm. isn't just better for you. It's also better for the planet, Liz. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. So, Pros, we love you. I love the photos of my hair. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> photos of your hair. There are people in the photos, too. That's the thing about a book tour. Everybody yeah. has their picture taken with Leon and then post it. So yeah. the hair is important. <laughs> Couldn't be happier, Pros. 
Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin. They're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash sisters. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash sisters. And pros is spelled P-R-O-S-E, pros.com slash sisters. Thanks, pros. And right next net right next to that is my kneecaps. Um, all right. Don't don't think you're fooling anybody with that elastic self-waist dress. Okay. Even if you put a belt over it, still looks cheap. That's what they say over there at Shine. All right. How about this? I think maybe only uh uh Kate Middleton can pull them off. A fascinator. All right, let's not get so taken away with the royal family that we all start wearing those smallish clown hats on our heads okay <laughs> yeah yeah I, I mean I think that's a sort of a when in Rome thing you just really like if you're in the if you're in the British Isles that you might want to pick up a hat but uh, don't don't try to bring that trend to your local community okay how about the bib necklace are you familiar with that Julie it's just like a chain mail kind of necklace it's giant and overwhelming that it looks seems like, like a it hide wrinkles, Leanne. So no, it's, it's overwhelming, according okay. to Shine. Just uh, don't try it. I think you're better off with the three strands of pearls. <gasps> um, all right, here's a fashion trend that just doesn't work: the long puffer coat. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how cold it no is. No matter how cold it is. I I think the point is if you if you're wearing one, don't kid yourself that you look good in it. Okay. I can understand, you know, those long down coats, they've been around for 30, 40 years now. So they do serve a purpose to keep you warm in a really cold place, but you don't look good. All right. Here's another trend that's just not working. And I would have to agree. Uh, slinky cotton jersey dresses. They said there's just no way to hide your bumps and lumps in a slinky cotton jersey dress. So not enough ruching to go, to make that work for us. No. Okay. All right. Here's something, Julie, that maybe you think is sexy, but it's uh-huh. not. Okay. And that would be high waist underwear. All right. You may think that's sexy, well, Julie. No, Lee. No, I don't. <laughs> right. Don't kid yourself. You look like grandma. Wear it, but don't think it's sexy. Uh- All right. Here's something that does not work. And I would say this is proven true in my own life. Wrap dresses. I, I can't get the wrap dress to stay wrapped. What? I mean, I thought that was supposed to be the dress. It's I know. I, I, I would agree. Dress. I, I think, think maybe you just, there's certain bodies that it doesn't work on. Well, it, it doesn't, doesn't work it, on mine. I'll just say that. Does not work on mine. And the last fashion trend that just doesn't work, don't kid yourself, peplums. Oh. <laughs> Those little shelves that you put out uh, over your hips? Over your big hips? Yeah, over your yeah, they're not hiding anything, sister. So there you go. All right. More from Information Hodgepodge. Good okay. news, Julie. I have an alternative to the push-up. Do you do oh, a lot? Of, do you, well, I know you're not doing a lot of push-ups now because of your broken wrist. The broken wrist. I, I Push-ups are not going to be in my future unless I can do it with my elbow. So go ahead, Liam. What, okay. What's... So this is called the push-away. The push-away. And I was hoping that this was just standing at the wall, pushing the wall away. But no, it's a little <laughs> bit harder than that. I watched the video. I'll, I'll put a link on the Satellite Sisters page if you're interested. Because I find push-ups incredibly hard. 
And I know they're incredibly good for me, but I find them very difficult to do. And it's not like I have a small upper body. Uh, so the push away is almost like a downward dog in yoga. And yeah. then you sort of bend your elbows and push them away and pop yourself up. And there are several. Um, there's, I, I can't. I'm not envisioning it. Land, I know. I'm going to have to put the video up. There's you yes. can kind of crawl your hands to your feet and then stand up. That's like level one. And level two is like pushing away and using your knees and your abs to stand up. And the third level is just literally like pushing yourself into a stand up position. It looked slightly easier, particularly level one, looked easier than uh, the push the push up. So I'll put a link to that, Satellite Sisters, if you're interested in embracing the push away, push away. Now, have you tried any of these levels yet, Leanne? And, uh, well, I do. In yoga, we do kind of a push away. We do down dog to up to down dog to up. So I have done that, and it's effective. So uh, so I'm trying, but we've never quite stood up. So I'll I'll be trying that later after the show. Okay. Okay. And then finally, Julie, I have one piece of historical trivia. Do you know who is considered the grandfather of the to-do list? I do not. Okay. Grandfather of the to-do list. Well, you know, I do a to-do list every week on the Chaos Chronicles, and I've been doing, you know, making my own to-do list for years. And I was cruising the internet, and I saw the story on the history of the to-do list. Now, there have always been to-do lists throughout history, uh, archaeologists have told us they're mainly lists. So lists have always been very popular, but the to-do list really uh, started with Benjamin Franklin. He is, he's, yes, he uh, he used lists. Pretty much, Julie. He used he used to do lists to encourage self improvement. He was kind of like the first self improvement guru. He has uh, a very detailed thirteen week plan to practice important virtues such as cleanliness and temperance and stuff like that. And every day he tracked his progress on a chart. But he also had a very strict daily routine that has that has been um, preserved. And uh, like on his to-do list, I'm looking at it now, rise, wash, and uh, contrive the day's business is like the first item on his to-do list. He's going to work. Then he's going to read or overlook his accounts and dine. Works, mm-hmm. works some more. In the late afternoon, Ben Franklin w- wants to put things in their places, uh, have supper, music and diversion and conversation for an examination of the day. And then he gives himself an evening question. What good have I done today? That's Ben Franklin's to-do list. It sounds, it sounds very familiar to um, the five things that highly affected. Yes, people yeah, exactly. I think Ben Franklin was one of those highly effective people. Yes. Don't you think? Yeah. He appears according to his to-do list to go. He says he puts sleep down at 1am and he rises Julie at 5am. Okay. So there you have it. So the grandfather, t- the to-do list, Ben Franklin. All right, Leanne, that is your <laughs> some real information to the show today, Leanne. Thank okay. you very much. You're welcome. Okay. <laughs> well, I have a pick and a pan. It's Tuesday, and I have a pick and a pan for us, Leanne. And that um, first, let me start with the pick. Uh, and this has a little historic flavor to it as well. It is a website, and it is called Learn the Address. LearnTheAddress.org. And this is something that Ken Burns, you know, the great documentarian has done. But this is all kinds of people 
um, reading the Gettysburg Address because you know next week is the 150th anniversary of the Gettysburg Address. Did you know that? I did because, you know, my husband and kids went to Gettysburg this summer and I mocked my husband when he suggested it. And then the next day in the paper, there was a huge thing about how it's the 150th anniversary. I mean, it's incredible. You have to go learn the address or is the website. And it has all five presidents reading. Uh, Ken got, uh, got all five presidents to read the Gettysburg Address. It also has current politicians, both sides of the aisles. Uh, it has everyone from like Taylor Swift doing it to Stephen Colbert. His is a little unusual because he's playing Lincoln, but <laughs> but just you got to see it. It even has, and I think uh, you know, uh, it has the most preposterous one in my mind is they have Martha Stewart saying <laughs> the felon. Yes, the felon, and oddly enough, she's in a kitchen with a big pile of onions, and I can't figure out what the symbolism of the onions is related to the Gettysburg Address. <laughs> but but nonetheless, it is, this all started because Ken Burns heard about a school in uh, Vermont called the Green Hill School. And this is uh, where, uh, this is a school for kids with learning differences, you know, that they have dyslexia. Uh-huh. And this is something that they do at the school every single year. The, each child has to learn, has to memorize the Gettysburg Address. Did you ever have to do that in no. school? No, because no. you were the youngest, but because I was the oldest <laughs> sister, we had to do that, Leanne. That was, uh, that was part of the curriculum. But this is a real challenge for these kids. As you can imagine, they have to memorize the Gettysburg Address, and then they have to stand up and, and, and recite it in front of a crowd. So it's it's sort of a, a a personal challenge for each child in the school, and that inspired Ken Burns to think, well, we should get, you know, we should do we should do more with this address because it is, you know, first of all, it's an absolutely beautiful, beautiful speech. It is really at such a critical point in our nation's history. I mean, you can really, you know, there was sort of before the Civil War and then after the Civil War. I mean, but that was a moment and. Uh, and to see and to watch all these videos of all these different people reading the Gettysburg Address is is really quite something. So oh, I bet. Oh, my son is doing Gettysburg right now in history, so I'll let him know that. You know, and I have to say, after I mocked my husband, uh, you know, because I just thought, why were they want to go to Gettysburg? Both my sons absolutely loved Gettysburg. They yes. said it's very moving. It's a fantastic trip. I was one hundred percent wrong. One hundred percent. But just look at—I mean, Stephen Colbert's um, uh, uh, version of it is getting a lot of—you know—there's some buzz about it. But don't just look at that. Go—you know—look at other ones. They're just—they're—it's so interesting to hear different people reading it. And uh, I think you'll like it. Martha's? I don't know. So I'd like your opinion on what you think of Martha Stewart and the Gettysburg Address. So that is my pick for the week. Now, my pan for the week, Leanne, and I am is is a new reality TV show called The Governor's Wife. Have you heard about this? No. This is on A&E, and it is a reality TV show um, that features the former governor of Louisiana, Edwin Edwards, and his third wife, Trina. Okay, so let me just tell you, the governor, Edwin Edwards, was indicted like maybe 20 or 30 times on corruption charges. <laughs> while he was I mean, really, just he was an incredibly corrupt 
sleazy governor. I mean, he is what, you know, he is what you think of when you think of crooked politicians. And finally, they were able to send him to prison. So he went to prison. He's been in prison. And he now, he, he, this, his wife, Trina, this is his third wife. He had, his second wife was like an LSU cheerleader. So now Edwin Edwards is married for the third time. He's 86 and Trina is 30. Okay. And so it's about the show is that the governor is out on parole and this is his life with Trina and they have a child together. Oh, yeah, I know. It's all bad. But here's the really good news. This show has already been canceled. <laughs> the, the, the ratings drop after the first night were so dramatic that A&E then just put all of the episodes on and they're going to cancel the show, which is good news. But the reason I need to mention this as a pan is because I don't want other failed politicians. And I'm talking to you. Uh, Anthony Weiner and, you know, <laughs> Elliot Spencer, I am talking to you that you are not to do a reality TV show. OK, this is I mean, we don't need more of these failed politicians doing their own TV shows. OK, so that's my pan for the week. The governor's wife uh, featuring Edwin Edwards and his lovely and young wife, Trina. So. Okay. Excellent. That, you know, there's almost no reality TV show that sounds interesting to me, but there's one that really doesn't sound interesting to me. So, and who, you know, who at A&E thought this was going to be a good idea? She must have been dynamic in the meeting is all I can say. She must have been dynamic in the meeting. So who knows? Okay. There you go. All right. Um, We're wrapping up here, but just a reminder for a couple more days until November 15th, you can vote for Satellite Sisters at the podcast awards. Uh, It's at podcastawards.com. You need to vote and then you need to verify. It's a two-step process. They will send you an email verification and you just need to click on the link, but it may end up in your spam folder. So uh, take a look there. It's podcastawards.com. We're up for the people's choice and we're up in the general competition. I'd like to thank everyone who's voted so far. Yes. Uh, we really appreciate it. It's hard to ask for these votes every day, um, but it, it may actually pay off. Julie, our Stitcher ranking went up a couple of spots this week. We went up to like the 82nd most popular show overall on Stitcher Radio. So thanks to everybody that's been downloading at Stitcher and giving us a thumbs up there. Um, you know, the first 50 are, I don't even really consider podcasts because they're just radio shows put put on stitcher so very few are produced on the sort of um fly by night but level are produced on the same level that we have well, we have the true spirit of the podcasting with us in our closets um yelling into our computers very few of the npr shows are produced like this so i feel like we're really not competing against this american life um so we are competing against we're in like a different category Liam. that's it we're yeah. a different genre yes. i think yes so uh so thanks for everything there um anything else happening jill what what no, nothing else what how what do we you got going on for the rest of the week well, I, I'm continuing to work on my husband's fine motor skills because he is um, he's tying my shoes uh-huh. and zipping up my zippers and uh, buttoning my buttons. And I think he's been improving, Liam. So that that's good. I, I have continued rehab on my broken wrist and uh, and and that's about it. OK, 
I'm going to it. I got invited to an interesting press event on Thursday where I was lured in by the fact that it's like a good chef at a good restaurant making stuff for me to eat. So, so there is also some kind of technical aspect to it. I don't really understand, but it's called Savory Bites, B-Y-T-E-S. So I don't know. I'm just going for the savory part, but I'll let you know about the bites part next week on Satellite Sisters. Look forward to it. Okay, you have a good day. Remember, it's 11, 12, 13. Enjoy it. All right, well, I will. And don't forget, call your satellite sister.